this Roland Garros French Open preview on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by EdgeBoost. EdgeBoost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. Elena was here. Uh, that's why the mic. <laughs> I definitely remember coming back from school when I was was less than ten. So yeah, when you come back to school, you know it's like kind of snack time, and you was always on front of the TV watching Roland Garros weekend final. Uh, it was always special, you know, to see the champions lifting that trophy, and they were getting emotional, and I was getting emotional in front of my TV. So yes, yeah, it's a it's good memories and maybe one day I will be there for me it could be it could be a dream playing play doubles with uh, with him you know in the, in the Olympics so, of, of course uh, uh, let's see let's see how he's going you know in, the, in this year but uh, yeah for me it could be it could be a dream to play doubles with, with him well honestly I don't miss him being in the draw you know <laughs> I mean uh, I don't like see him, seeing him in the draw of Roland Garros, to be honest. You know, I've had uh, not so much success against him in our records head-to-head in Roland Garros. I think it's just actually helping a lot because uh, it's still a job. You uh, practice all the day, uh, all days. It's kind of the same routine. And with her, if I go back to the room or we go to dinner, we can talk about something else, not only tennis. And she's very positive and also... Uh, a lot of energy from her. Yeah, I think she's also helping. Uh, especially if you have a bad day or something, she's the one always positive, so it's good. I've also seen look like other famous people, and I think the most one that I find personally like so similar is Kashanov and um, Hemsworth, one of the Hemsworth brothers. It's a joke how much they look, look the same. So, And many times you start to have kind of, let's call it superstitions, that sometimes... The better you play before the tournament, the worse it's going to be. And sometimes the worse you play before the tournament, it happened to me also where you can even break a record on practice or something, but like get completely crazy and you cannot put one ball in the court and then you win it. The French cuisine is very particular, you know, very chic, you know. So uh, <laughs> he's French, he's laughing. <laughs> but I like uh, les patates, la, le gratin. No offense, guys. <laughs> You are listening to your Roland Garros French Open preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast on Twitter at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. You can follow me on two Twitter accounts. The first one is the Twitter account for the Soccer Gambling Podcast. I'm the host of the Soccer Gambling Podcast and that Twitter account is at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. The other one where I tweet about all sports is at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. I'm a capper with 119 months in a row of transparent track profit, just one month away from being undefeated for an entire decade. So with no losing month for an entire decade, I post my spreadsheets at LockBetting.com. If you want to do quick due diligence on me, look at the pin tweet on the Twitter account at LockBetting.com. That is the PL for the previous month. That's always the pin tweet. And at the moment, you can look at the month of April. 
I will be posting all of my daily tennis picks on my website, lockbetting.com. So uh, hit me up on Twitter if you want to get involved. Here, I will be giving you a free lock, though, at the end of the show. So make sure you listen until the end of the show for my edge boost double down play of the day. So essentially, my futures lock for this show as we preview this French Open, a French Open that will be without Rafa Nadal. That is the big omission, the greatest clay court player of all time. The most successful player at the French Open will not be in it, but he wasn't going to be the favourite in the market anyway. It's not like his omission opens things up. He was tentatively placed as the third favourite to win it behind Novak Djokovic, who, as Djokovic said in that audio clip, doesn't have a great record against Nadal on clay. But the favourite to win the tournament right now is the man who was always the favourite to win the tournament. In fact, he was the man who was the favourite to win the tournament last year as well. I'm talking about Carlos Alcaraz. He is the new sensation in tennis He's the future world number one. He's already got a slam title to his name and he comes in as the favourite once again. And this is justifiable. Alcaraz is the new world number one. He's the top seed and he's the title favourite. It's hard to argue with him being the favourite here. He's already won clay court titles in Buenos Aires, Barcelona and Madrid. So let's end the show there. Carlos Alcaraz is going to blow through everybody and win the French Open. Well, not so fast, because despite the fact he has already won those titles, there was a shock loss, which came at the hands of unknown Fabian Marazan, a player ranked outside the top 100. This came in Rome, and it can highlight how even the best can have a bad day at the office and could he potentially crumble under the pressure of being the clear favourite once again? It happened 12 months ago. He put out an error-filled display against Alexander Zerev and ultimately fell to Zerev at the quarterfinal stage last year. And I think it's also fair to say that he wasn't exactly convincing at times en route to getting to that matchup with Zerev. He's only had one five-set match at the tournament. That came against Albert Ramos Villanos last year, and he was in trouble in that match. And whilst he did show class and was able to get over the line and showed propensity for the battle at the US Open, he's coming here into Roland Garros as the favourite. The draw may not open up for him the way it did at the US Open, with, of course, Djokovic not even being allowed to play in that tournament. And this is a very different kettle of fish if the draw doesn't open up and he does come up against Novak Djokovic in a potential semi-final. I mean, Novak himself, he has his own pressures. He is trying to chase down Grand Slam history. But there's a lot of pressure being put on Alcaraz when he's being labelled as Nadal Mark II. And for me, Alcaraz has still to show the remarkable consistency in terms of constant success on clay and also in the manner of those victories that 
the comparison to Nadal can be a justified one. Nadal became famous for actually dismantling opponents and allowing them to barely get into games, while Alcaraz, whilst I do think he is the rightful favourite and the most likely winner based on the tournaments that he has picked up, I don't think there is overwhelming value in taking him to win the tournament at the price. So let's have a look at the market. Before we do that quickly, let me tell you guys about Edge Boost. I mentioned them earlier, but now I ask you the question, have you actually signed up for Edge Boost yet? If not, you are missing out because Edge Boost is the world's first bet now pay later visa card. Similar to buy now pay later programs, Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That's right. 0% interest. Simply deposit funds into your account and Edge Boost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances. So that's two and a half k that you can add to your bankroll. My Edge Boost double down lock play of the day will be given out at the end of the show. But for now, pause this episode. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. You must be 21 years or older to get involved. This is only valid in legal gambling states. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. So let's look at these men's futures markets. We're going to look at each quarter but we are going to start with looking at the outright winner and the odds of just reaching the final. So as I said, Carlos Alcaraz is the favourite. He's available at 8-5 to five to win this tournament, so plus 160, and he's available at even money to reach the final. Novak Djokovic, who will play Carlos Alcaraz if both players get through their draw, they will meet in the semi-finals, so this will not be the final of Roland Garros this year. Novak Djokovic is priced up at 5-2 to two to win the tournament. So plus 250 on Novak Djokovic, who is 13-8 to eight to reach the final. Holger Rune comes next in the market. He is available here at 8-1. to one, And he is a 3-1 to one shot to reach this final. Daniel Medvedev is at 17-2. to two, And he is a 7-2 to two shot to reach the final. Yannick Sinner is at 11 to 1. He's a 5 to 1 shot to reach the final. Stefanos Tsitsipas is at 14 to 1. He's at 9 to 1 to reach the final. Kasper Rudd is at 16 to 1 and at 6 to 1 to reach the final. That's probably down to his recent form. Before the clay court season started, you would have guessed that he probably would have been about third or fourth in the market. He was considered to be one of the top three clay court players in the world for sure, a former world number two. But he's way down in the market looking for a resurgence here, looking for a run in the French Open that doesn't reflect his form coming in. Alexander Zverev, he's still in the midst of his recovery. He's at 28 to 1 and he's at 12 to 1 to reach the final. Big price here on Andre Rublev, in my opinion, at 40 to 1 and at 25-1 to one to reach the final. We have Taylor Fritz, a big serving American, who you'd think would be more suited to hard and grass, and probably is, but he's been able to do well during the clay court season. He's at 80-1 to one to reach the, to actually win the tournament, and at 25-1 to one to reach the final. Borna Koric, 100-1 to one to win it, 66-1 to one to reach the final. Dominic Team, his career hasn't quite got back on track. He has reached the final of this tournament twice before, and as always, 
earmarked as a future winner, but he's at 100 to 1 here and at 66 to 1 to reach the final. And everybody else is bigger than him. So let's move on to looking at the potential finalists before we move on to looking at the quarters and who may win each individual quarter. And that's when we're going to highlight individual players and talk about their prospects in this year's tournament. So let's have a look, as I said, at who may reach the final potential finals that we could see. Carlos Alcaraz and Daniel Medvedev is the joint favourite to be the final, along with Carlos Alcaraz versus Holger Rune. Both finals are priced up here at 7-1. to one. That's interesting because Holger Rune was a much shorter price than Medvedev to actually win this tournament. But they have them level here in the name the finalist market. Then you go down to Carlos Alcaraz and Kasper Rudd at 12 to 1 and Carlos Alcaraz versus Janik Sinner at 12 to 1. We then get to our first final that doesn't feature Carlos Alcaraz. All of the first four listed potential finals do have Carlos Alcaraz in them. The first one is Djokovic versus Medvedev. That's at 14 to 1. Then you have Djokovic versus Holger Rune, which is also at 14 to 1. So you can see that Carlos Alcaraz will be heavily favoured against Novak Djokovic in the semi final of the French Open if that does happen. Then you have Carlos Alcaraz back again. He's at 20 to 1 to take on Alexander Zverev. Djokovic Kasper Rudd is at 20 to 1. Djokovic Janik Sinner is at 20 to 1. Djokovic Zverev is at 33 to 1. Then Alcaraz comes back against Taylor Fritz, 40 to 1. Tissipas versus Medvedev is the first final that doesn't feature Alcaraz or Djokovic. So a different player coming through that side of the draw. And it's Tissipas Medvedev, 40 to 1. Tissipas Holgerun, 40 to 1. Tissipas Janik Sinner, 40 to 1. Then Djokovic comes back for Taylor Fritz at 50 to 1. And every other final named is bigger than that. We're now going to move on to looking at the individual quarters. Before we do that, let me quickly tell you about Shady Rays and Shady May. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays have you covered all year round. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, They've told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. And if you don't love them, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And also for our international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered as well with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and to right here in the UK. So go to ShadyRays.com, use that promo code SGPN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. And remember... The month of May is nearly over, so make sure you take your receipt to sportsgallonpockets.com slash shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. Once again, that is sportsgamblingpockets.com slash shady, and you'll get a chance to win in our $500 Shady May contest. So we're going to close out by looking at these quarters, or at least close out on the men's side. I'm going to have a quick glance at the women's draw because I do have one small opinion on that draw, I don't really tend to get involved in women's tennis till the later stages as the seeds do tend to drop like flies. 
But I do have one takeaway looking at that market. But we'll look at the men's quarters first. Quarter one sees Carlos Alcaraz as the favourite in the market at 4-6, to six, minus 150. Behind him, you have Stefanos Tissipas at 4-1. to one. So a big gap there. Loren- Lorenzo Musetti is at 12-1. to one, So an even bigger gap there. UK's Cam Norris is at 16-1. to one. Felix Oge Aliasim, his career is not really taking off and moving in a direction that many felt. He's really struggling to find consistency. There's no doubt he has the game to be better and to be doing better than he is. But at the moment, he's not making strides. He's at 16-1. to one. And then we have Shapovalov and Sebastian Corder at 33 to 1. Everyone else is bigger than that. One of those players is uh, Alexander Shevchenko. He's had a decent run so far. He could be a dark horse to have a run in this competition and possibly take a few scalps, but I don't think he's a serious contender to win this quarter. I don't think anybody is, unless Carlos Alcaraz lays a complete egg or plays well under his level, he's going to come through this side of the draw pretty easily and set up a potential semi-final with Novak Djokovic. At 4-6, to six, minus 150, it does seem short, but I actually do see some value in that selection as I don't see anybody beating Alcaraz here in this quarter. Now, Novak, he has a far more difficult quarter, in my opinion, and he's priced up at the same price as Alcaraz. He's at four to six. But who have to come there? Andre Rublev, who's looked far better on clay during this clay court season. He's been able to utilise that serve and has been able to win some very easy games, something he's not been able to do before. So he could be a value pick at 5-1. to one. Karen Kachinov, he continues to improve. He used to let a lot of these uh, ATP tournaments go by the wayside, but now he seems to be putting forth a far bigger effort in an attempt to move up the rankings. He's at 11-1. to one. ADF, as we say, for Fakina, he's next at 14-1. to one. He is a clay court specialist, but I don't think he's going to be much threat in this quarter. Herbert Husk, his best stuff comes on the hard courts. He's at 18 to 1. Roberto Batista Agu, not a player you want to play, but not somebody I'd be worried about 28 to 1. Stan Wawrinka coming to the twilight end of his career, former winner here at 28 to 1. Hugo Ombert is at 28 to 1. David Goffin, again, a player who primarily does his best work on clay at 40 to 1. And everybody else is bigger than the players mentioned. This is a tougher draw for Novak than it is for Carlos Alcaraz. For me, I can't make a strong case as to why we do not see an Alcaraz versus Djokovic final if both of the two both of those two players play at their level. The Euro Clay 2023 version of Djokovic has been far from vintage. Um, he's lost to Lorenzo Massetti. He's lost to Dusan Lajovic. He's lost to Holger Run during this current clay court swing, during which he's not quite been the free-moving Djokovic that we usually see. His movement hasn't been the same. He's been playing with a strapped elbow. That's a long-standing injury. He also uh, withdrew from Madrid. So while there's certainly signs of improvement from Djokovic in Rome, where he did lose to Ron, which is not embarrassing at all because this is a player who is definitely up and coming and looks like he's going to be around for years. Djokovic does look quite a way off his peak and therefore being priced up at 4-6-150 to six minus 150 doesn't really offer up some value. A player with his achievements, though, can just turn it on for the big stage. I would say this is Djokovic's weakest surface. That almost goes without saying when you look at the statistics. But obviously, with Nadal being so dominant, 
we don't know how many Roland Garros titles Djokovic would have if Rafa Nadal wasn't in the picture. And he's not in the picture here at this tournament. So I don't really know what to expect from Novak Djokovic. Can he win? Of course. Will he? I don't think so. I think an earlier exit for Djokovic, not that I'm predicting one, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for his Wimbledon hopes because that's a tournament where I think Novak being the clear favourite is justified. That's a tournament where I think he can break the record and move ahead as the player to have won the most Grand Slams in history. But here, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it. I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see that Alcaraz Djokovic semi-final taking place. But uh, if we get to that point, it's by no means a foregone conclusion that Djokovic is going to lose to Alcaraz because that means that Djokovic has found a way, like top players do, to turn up at the big tournament and has managed to navigate the threats of uh, Fukovic and ADF and Andre Rublev in this section. The Russian was a finalist at Banja Luka and those runs have helped him compile some impressive data. Rublev comes into this tournament having held serve in 84% of his games on clay and has broken in 33% of his return games. Adding those two figures together produces a figure which which provides you a useful comparison tool when you're looking at the fact that Rublev's 117 is only bettered by Carlos Alcaraz at 122 and Janik Sinner at 118. Therefore, it's very, very surprising that he's way down the market here to win this tournament, to reach the final and um, the big price you're getting on him here to reach the quarters. So they are things to look for. There isn't too much value there in Alcaraz and Djokovic. However, in saying that, I have seen some enhanced Akers offered, an enhanced parlay offered in both of those two players reaching the semi final. So it is something the books are trying to entice you into taking. I saw that priced up as big as two to one plus 200 for both of these players to reach the semi final. So effectively parlaying together quarter one and quarter two, that's certainly going to attract some interest. And as I said, if both players are at their best, if, um, if Carlos Alcarez can can navigate the the mental issues because that's really going to be his issue. It's not going to be physical for him. It's going to be mental if he can overcome mental obstacles. And if Novak Djokovic is healthy enough to have a run here, then those two players are going to meet in the semi-final. But if any of those other factors come into play for either of them, then we could see an upset in one of their quarters. But for me, both are too short. If you want an interest in those two quarters, I would probably be looking at some of the underdogs or I would be looking for one of those enhanced parlays. I think at plus 200, you can't really go wrong if you put half unit down and you're trying to win a, a unit from it that you can add to your bankroll. You can't really go wrong with that if you can find the offer. But um, as I said, there's no individual value for me there in either of the two players, although I do think they'll meet. If, if there's a gun to my head. And I do actually think that Alcaraz may come out on top and win this tournament. But we move on to quarter three. Uh, this side of the draw is obviously getting much less attention. In this quarter, Holger Run is the 6-4 to favourite to advance from Q3. Kasper Rudd is priced up at 10-3. to American Taylor Fritz is at 9-1. to 
Francisco Serendulo is at 10 to 1. Nicholas Jarry, who's had a really good clay court season so far, he's available at 10 to 1. He just won a clay court tournament today. Uh, Kamachevic is at 16 to 1, and everybody else is at 25 to 1 or bigger. Holger Run, as we mentioned, has just recently beaten Novak Djokovic, and he's going to be a dangerous player here in this tournament. Holger Run, I think, will be the player who comes through the bottom half of the draw. His trajectory, particularly over the last nine months, has been remarkable. He arrives in Paris, having been the only man to reach two of the three Masters 1000 tournaments in the build-up. The Dane should have won in Monte Carlo. He had a point for a double break in the final set against Andre Rublev. He did try up in Munich the following week, so he has been racking up match wins on clay en route to the tournament. He's a former junior champion at Roland Garros. Run made it to the quarterfinals with an impressive run last season when not a lot of people knew who he was. And he's managed to swerve Alcaraz and Djokovic in the draw. His tests will come via Baez, Kamachevic and Taylor Fritz prior to the quarterfinal. But he looks mature beyond his years in terms of decision-making whilst not with his behaviour. And while there are some weaknesses in his game, I think the fact that he's been put on this side of the draw does provide you with some significant value on Holger Run. So I will be taking him here as the favourite to get through this side of the draw. Kasper Rudd's recent form does make me lose interest in him. But if we do see a former version of Kasper Rudd, he could look very big here at 10 to 3. But I'm going to go for Holger Run here at 6 to 4 as we move on to quarter four. This one is led by Daniel Medvedev, who suddenly doesn't hate the clay anymore after having a few decent results. He's the 6 to 4 favourite to win it with Janik Sinner at 3-1. to one. Now, these two would have been the other way round, I would have thought, before this clay court season began. So that's interesting. Alexander Zereb is at 7-1. to one. Dominic Team, who we always thought would be a French Open winner, reached two finals, is at 12-1. Is at to one. Borna Koric is at 14-1. to one. Francis Tierfo at 22-1. to one. He won an American clay court tournament. The only clay court tournament played in America coming into this. He's at 22 to 1. Dimitrov at 25 to 1. Everyone else is bigger than that. 33 to 1 on bigger on everybody else. So Daniel Medvedev, very, very interesting here. A former world number one. His price has come in plenty as a result of his title run in Rome. That was the first clay success of his career. However, I still think it's too soon to be proclaiming him as a potential Roland Garros champion or even a finalist or maybe even the winner of this quarter. We're looking at hot, dry surfaces for the first week, but a wetter second week won't be welcomed by a player who has often allowed these external factors to get under his skin. And of course, that will negate his serve somewhat when it comes to um, using that serve as a weapon because the court will slow down. That's the good thing and the bad thing about clay courts. Clay courts can actually absorb a little bit of drizzle. They are the most resistant surfaces when it comes to safety. However, it does change the way the court will play. So a little bit of rain will negate the advantages of the big servers who will want it nice and dry so it moves quickly. As it gets a little bit wet, 
people will have to work harder to construct points, which means it's advantageous then to the rallyers, advantageous to a player like Novak Djokovic, and not so advantageous to Daniel Medvedev, who is a player who can actually construct a rally, a rally but has difficulty doing that under pressure situations. I still question his mentality, and therefore I question him here in the quarter. And therefore, for me, the value moves towards Janik Sinner. He is an Italian who should be making a run on this clay court as he's used to playing in clay courts. He would have grown up playing on clay courts and has established himself as a top player and a potential player who will be a mainstay in the future in the top five. He lost to Holger Run in the semis of Monte Carlo. He missed Madrid through illness and he was then beaten pretty disappointingly by Francisco Serendulo in Rome. He also has a miserable 0-6 head-to-head record against Medvedev and that is his potential quarterfinal foe. So while I do respect his chances... I would rather Medvedev be gone by the time the quarterfinal comes about because that would mean that Medvedev has built up some rhythm and then he comes up, uh, comes up against a Janik Sinner who he has a 100% 6-0 head-to-head record against. So I'd be worried about that. If I'm backing Sinner, I do want Medvedev to have a poor game and drop out of the French Open prior to that head-to-head quarterfinal. And you won't be getting much head adva- hedge advantage there either because Medvedev will go into that game as a significant favourite, probably shorter than minus 200. So you just have to ride out the selection and hope that Janik Sinner can have a better day and end his 100% loss record against Daniel Medvedev. So before we close out the show, I'm going to take a quick glance at the women's market. This is because uh, I do have a strongish opinion on this market where Iga Swiatek is priced up as the 8 to 11 favorite to win it. What this means is that there is plus money on the rest of the field. So you can take the field if you can get that option in some places. As a plus money selection at 11 to 10 plus 110, the Iga doesn't win this tournament. Now, Swiatek comes into this with an injury and she hasn't looked as dominant as she did going into last year, where I did pick her to win the tournament. And she has some competition here. Sabalenka is playing a lot better. She's at 6-1 to one to win it. She's overcome her demons where she had that choking issue where as soon as she got to a semi-final, she couldn't overcome that obstacle. Elena Rybakina, who we picked to win Wimbledon last year successfully, she has shown that she has ice water in her veins. So getting her at 8-1 in what is probably not her favourite surface is still giving you some significant value. Given that I think that Igor Swiatek is definitely opposable here as a significant 8-11 to favourite. So I'm not going to go far, far down the market. There are some names that stand out here that could make a run in this tournament. You're looking at a whole plethora of names here that could be a threat to Iga Swiatek. I'm looking at Ons Jabeur. I'm looking at Maria Sakaria. I'm looking at Carolina Garcia. I'm looking at Haddad Meyer, who went into Wimbledon as one of the standout dark horses. Although she didn't deliver, she was still someone who's shown that she can stand up to the top players. So for me, Iga Swiatek is definitely opposable here. I don't know whether you want to take a specific name or whether you just want to bet on the field. I like the chances of uh, Arena Sabalenka. 
Avoiding the other two main title contenders in the draw is a major plus for her. It feels like the Belarusian is growing into the player that many thought she was going to be. She's now overcome that obstacle of winning her maiden Grand Slam at January's Australian Open. And that's going to undoubtedly settle her down when it comes to future finals and future big matches and future big points. She also toppled Switek in Madrid, giving her another major confidence boost. So it proves that Switek is very beatable. We've got a player here who has beaten her. And it wasn't a fluke because Sabalenka comes into this one having won the first Grand Slam of the season. So getting her as big as 7-1 to one in some places does offer up some significant value and you can make some cases for other players in the field. So I'd be looking at the field and I'd be looking at Sabalenka gun to my head if I was to pick someone here who could challenge Switek for her crown. I'd definitely like Sabalenka to come through her half of the draw and reach the final where you can get Sabalenka 3-1 to one plus 300 to reach the women's final. So closing out with your lock on the show, don't forget your lock is now also your edge boost double down play of the day. Don't forget edge boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. My lock for this show is going to be on Holger Run to win quarter three. So that's going to be our lock. It's actually a plus 150 lock. That's the same price as taking Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz in a double to win their quarters. So essentially to meet in the semi-final. That's what the price would be unless you had some sort of book that was offering an enhanced parlay on the two to reach the semi-final. There are a lot of books doing that. And the fact that they're trying to get you to take it concerns me. As I said, it could be worth half a unit because if it does come to fruition, that's a plus 200 payout. And that is a hundred extra dollars or a hundred extra pounds that you can add to your bankroll. And it will come to fruition if Carlos Alcarez can overcome the mental obstacles. If Novak Djokovic is healthy enough to make a run here in the French Open. But overall, I'm a little bit more confident here about Holger Run. I like the trajectory of his career. All of the reasons outlined when we were looking at Q3 are valid for me to take this selection. I'd be very surprised to see anybody in that quarter beat him. And of course, taking a plus money lock here at plus 150, 6-4, does offer you some hedge options along the way if you aren't convinced by what you're seeing. But going into the tournament, I am. So once again, your lock here for the show is for Holger Run to win quarter three. And that selection is available at 6-4, plus 150. So that's it for me and your French Open preview. All of my picks for the French Open will be available on my site if you want to get them. That's lockbetting.com. For more information, send me a DM on Twitter at lockbetting.com. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.